What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you on Tuesday night, April 27th, to recap a Cardinals victory over the Philadelphia Phillies, which took place over at Bush Stadium this evening, and it was Carlos Martinez on the mound for St. Louis, finding his vintage form for the second start in a row, by the way. He's starting to come around, and that could be huge for a Cardinals team that, well, early on, really needed some help from that starting rotation. Any team would, right? But the Cardinals in particular had their rotation struggling. It appeared to be in shambles. The bullpen had outpitched the starters in terms of innings logged. It was a bad situation early on, and the Cardinals were kind of treading water. At this point, though, the starting rotation is en fuego. They continue to churn out great, excellent outings, and Carlos Martinez, no exception on Tuesday night. He pitches into the eighth for the Cardinals, his longest outing in Lord knows how long, his first win as a starting pitcher since July of 2018. Carlos goes seven and a third, gives up two runs, just one of them earned, although I think the second one scored because of his own error, uh, threw one into center field. Had a couple of walks just for strikeouts, but I think this version of Carlos is is just what you need to see. He hasn't been blowing guys away in his last two outings. Only four strikeouts in this one, and he only had three in his last outing in which he went six innings and gave up a run. So seven across two games, not exactly vintage Carlos from that perspective, but everything else is exactly what you want to see. And I think this almost benefits Carlos a little bit more because it means that he's willing to do just what he needs to do to succeed. He doesn't have to do it all himself. He can trust his defense behind him, especially in this case, in this 2021 season, when you have a gold glover at third base. And he did another gold glove thing tonight, by the way. We'll get to that in just a minute. You have across your infield really sturdy defenders. DeYoung at shortstop is a gold glove caliber defender when he's at his best. And he made a play as well tonight. I said he borrowed the stepladder from Arenado that Nolan used on Monday with the leaping grab. The DeYoung's got hops, man. He was able to climb the ladder to get a ball tonight, similar to the way Nolan did yesterday. And then on the right side of the infield, Goldschmidt. He makes a sensational play diving back toward the baseline on a right-handed batter to stop a grounder and pick up the ball and hustle to the bag to end the inning. Just a really good play by Goldsmith, who has gold gloves to his credit as well. And if Tommy Edmond ever settles into one given position enough to qualify defensively at that spot for the gold glove, he might end up winning one too in his career. He's made some wonderful plays for the Cardinals this season. So, hey, Carlos on the mound tonight. Trust all those guys to make the plays. Tonight they did, and it turns into an epic start for Martinez, who, like I said, first win since July of 2019, 18, as a starting pitcher. That's an important thing for him, a guy that has fought and battled to get back to the rotation and then got his chance last year, and then it didn't go well, right? Think about that having multiple years in the bullpen where he didn't want to be from a personal standpoint and his preference of what he does as a pitcher. Cardinals, I mean, their preference would be to have him be a stud starter the way he was from 2015 to 2017. That'd be everybody's preference. But when he was finally able to lock the gig back down last year, didn't go well. He contracted COVID, 
came back from that and was not himself, and then ends up having the oblique injury, which ended his season prematurely. Didn't win a game as a starter last year for the Cardinals, which is why that streak continued into this year. And he started off 0-4. So it's been a rough go for Carlos for a while. And, and even after the last two starts, which have been both quality starts or better, his ERA for the season still a little bit high at 4.76. But to go 13.1 innings and give up a total of three runs, two earned, I believe is the line for Carlos over the last couple of starts. That's pretty impressive, and that's something the Cardinals rotation could really use. Like I said, any rotation could use numbers like that, but when you can start to stack Carlos Martinez rather than have him be the ace, the number one, which he was there for a while, a few years ago for the Cardinals, that no longer has to be the way you view it because you've got Jack Flaherty, who's really rounding into form himself. And so for a Cardinals rotation that a couple of weeks ago, even maybe just 10 days ago, we were talking about in terms of this isn't sustainable, this isn't going to be able to work and last the entire season if this is the way these guys pitch. you got to shake things up. What can you do? Now we're talking about it in a totally different light where we've seen the Cardinals go one whole turn through the rotation and then three-fifths of the way through as Carlos kind of slotted in as the third man in the rotation so far this season. The last eight starts by the Cardinal starters have been really, really strong. And you talk about having Jack Flaherty as a one, Adam Wainwright as a number two, which I think Adam Wainwright still can be a number two. A lot of people would argue that, you know, you'd like to have some more firepower atop that rotation. Wainwright's been pitching really well. I think he is a, a, a wonderful number two to have in your rotation. Carlos as a number three that's pitching like an ace as well. That could be dangerous come playoff time. Cardinals obviously got to get there first. But, man, you got to love what you're seeing out of this rotation right now. And that's not even to ignore the productivity that we've seen from Kwon Young Kim and John Gant as of late. And so people say, well, when Miles Michaelis comes back, I got that question tonight on Twitter, what happens? Like, who leaves the rotation? Or do they continue to go with a six-man rotation? And I I hesitated to answer that because I don't want to count anybody out. I mean, I, I think it's clear that if your number five starter is John Gant and everybody else ahead of him pitches well, then when Michaelis eventually returns, if he's ready to go, that could relegate Gant back to the bullpen, in theory. But I think there's enough time before that happens that it's not a relevant discussion right now, especially because of the fact Cardinals actually do have a six-man rotation as it is with Johan Oviedo making the start tomorrow night. He's going to get the ball for the Cardinals against the Phillies. They're making that adjustment to go to six-man uh, six in the rotation right now because of the fact that you've got 17 games in 17 days. Cardinals trying to give their regular starters a little bit of extra breathing room in the season following the COVID year. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it makes a lot of sense to give Oviedo a shot because, look, starters are going to get hurt. We say it happens every spring. Throughout the season, it's going to happen too. You never know when it's going to hit you, but eventually, inevitably, you're not going to go through a whole season with all five of your guys healthy. And so having Oviedo there, if he can perform like he did in the relief outing a few weeks ago, when Ponce de Leon struggled, that would be key for the Cardinals because you know you're going to need that kind of depth. It's going to happen eventually. So they're going to call upon Oviedo for the next probably two starts, I would think. Um, not exactly sure how they're going to reshuffle this rotation uh, when, when they happen upon their next off day, but I think Oviedo is going to get a couple of opportunities, and it's going to be – I'm excited to see him pitch, honestly, because he looked really strong. 
He looked like almost a, a different, more refined guy in his last uh, appearance for the Cardinals. He only has made one this year, but it was four and two-thirds innings, and he was really good against the Milwaukee Brewers. So I believe that was the Brewers. So going to be interesting to see how he performs tomorrow night. Cardinals in the midst of a four-game series right now, and they lost the first one, obviously, uh, squandering that excellent Wainwright start. They get it done tonight, though, against the Phillies and uh, Zach Eflin with Carlos Martinez on the mound. And you like to see it from the offense. The Cardinals scoring in multiple innings. They get to five. That's a nice, not round number, but it's a round enough number in that you're able to score that amount and probably win the game, especially when your starting pitching is, is going the way it is right now for the Cardinals. And so talking about the offensive production, how about Tommy Edmond starting things off? OPS is only 727 for the year, so that's nothing mind-boggling. Um, the batting average at 277. But this guy just hits the ball hard, and he makes things happen once he gets on the bases. He's really fun to watch. He goes first to third. He scores runs. He's a good leadoff batter to have when he's able to put the ball into play because once he does that, he finds his way around the bases. He's got that speed that can really make a difference in a game. And tonight, no, no exception. Goes two for four in this one for the Cardinals. Scores a run but even drove in a couple as well. Bottom of the order, able to get on for him a little bit. Andrew Kisner had a nice night, scored one of those runs. He goes two for four in for Yadier Molina, which obviously is the story of the day off the field for the Cardinals that Yadi does ultimately hit the injured list. And that was not something that you probably anticipated after he was able to return to action, catching the complete game by Wainwright yesterday. But evidently when he woke up this morning, it wasn't feeling so good. The foot ends up going on the aisle with a tendon strain in his foot. That was the official language from the Cardinals. Mike Schultz said Yachty called him sometime this morning to say that, you know, the recovery wasn't going as anticipated after that full nine innings yesterday. And people kind of wonder about that decision to have Yachty play that game yesterday, given that he's on the injured list one day later. But the way Mike Schilt described it, and you can agree with this or disagree with it, but I'm just kind of relaying what the manager said, is that, you know, he felt good enough to go yesterday. Seemed like, you know, just one of those kind of nicks and bruises that Molina often will play through. Cardinals gave him a couple of days off, figured that was enough to have him back and ready to roll. But it's not necessarily something you're going to feel in the heat of action. It's that next day. You wait to see how a guy's going to recover. We hear them talk about that a lot when it pertains to starting pitchers and guys like Miles Michaelis this spring wasn't experiencing the recovery that he had hoped. And so that's why he ended up having a delayed start to the season. But for Yachty, the recovery in the foot after, you know, the grind of that game, you wake up the next day and it just doesn't feel right. You know, glad to see that Yachty at least was able to articulate that to Mike Schilt today. And then they make that decision to put him on the injured list what kind of stint it's going to be on that list, if it'll be the minimum 10 days or longer. Not yet certain about that. You know, I I don't think it's a great sign that he was able to play that game and then ends up not being able to continue for a long enough stint. Like they know right now that it's just not going to be worth keeping him on the roster. And I think that's the right choice because you don't want to go three or four days, play short. And first of all, you can't do it without a second catcher. You don't, you're not going to, they did it a couple of days, but that's because they were pretty confident Yachty was going to be fine. He, obviously, he was not. But you don't want to go any longer than you have to without a backup catcher, essentially. That's not a good situation to be in. You, anytime you're talking about emergency catcher, you're, you're, you, you get a little worried. So Cardinals weren't going to do that. 
if it was going to be multiple days for Yachty, once again, the decision was made to just go ahead and shelve him. Um, you know, obviously it's not going to be retro- retroactive uh, to when the injury took place because he did play in that game yesterday. But whether it's going to be 10 days or longer, Mike Schilt really wasn't at liberty to say. He said, obviously, we're hopeful that it'll be the minimum for Yachty on the IL this time. But, uh, you know, hope isn't exactly a great strategy to run a baseball team on, which is fair. <laughs> so it, it, it's just going to remain to be seen what it looks like for Yachty. But good news is the very first day, the day you have to put him on the IL, Andrew Kisner catches a completely great game from Carlos Martinez and goes two for four at the plate. So this guy, I'm excited to see what Kisner can do. I know they called up Ali Sanchez to be the backup. you got to have one. I would like to see Kisner catch, you know, 80 90% of these games. I, ideally, he would catch more than 80%. You know, that'd be four out of five. I think it's time to go ahead and let Kisner see what he can do. Show his ability. Because, listen, if you can take this as an opportunity and say, Andrew Kisner, you know, you're going to maybe sit one time the rest of this stretch, 17 games in 17 days. Cardinals began on April 23rd. So we're a little bit into that right now. You're going to you're gonna play 12 of 13 or whatever it is. If they go to him and say that, which, you know, you're not going to say that out front, but if that's what ends up happening and you're able to see him perform and, and hold down the job as the, the starting catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm not saying you're ever trying to, to push Yachty out the door, but that would be definitely noteworthy for a Cardinals team that expects to have to replace its catcher at some point eventually when Yadier Molina presumably retires. And I know Yvonne Herrera is somebody that the team is very, very high on, but I don't think you should overlook Andrew Kisner until he gives you a reason to do so. You know, the Cardinals did that with Carson Kelly to an extent. Nobody's complaining about acquiring Paul Goldschmidt. That was the right move to go get that guy however you can, especially, clearly, they had death in the organization with Kisner coming up behind him. And so Carson Kelly's over there in Arizona thriving right now, has several home runs on the seasons, doing a really good job for them offensively. Uh, But, you know, don't necessarily want to see the Cardinals do that again, given that, you know, trade Andrew Kisner before really finding out what he can be, given that this time you really do have or seem to have the timeline starting to shrink when it comes to Yadier Molina in the end of his playing career. You know, if you're going on year-to-year deals, there's no guarantee that the next year is going to come. So I think it's high time to find out what Andrew Kisner has in the tank. And look, this kid's been impressive this week. He's made good defensive plays. He's handled the pitching staff and the opportunities that he's had. Going back to the last start, this is the second in a row that he's caught Carlos Martinez. Both starts that Carlos has had that have been successful, you know, in the last two, have been caught by Kisner. So I think there's a little bit of something to that. Kisner basically said, look, I'm just looking to keep his stuff in the zone and let what he has in the tank work because Carlos has electric stuff, and if he's in the strike zone, it's going to be interesting. And he said, Kisner kind of gave a laugh, and he said, I like catching this guy because you get to see some people make some funky swings against him because he's got silly stuff. He's got movement on all of his pitches, and Carlos Martinez has the arm talent to do some really impressive things on the mound. So he does that for two starts in a row now. It's going to be interesting to see if he can continue this path because, like I said, if Carlos Martinez is vintage Carlos Martinez, the National League might be in trouble because the Cardinals have some serious firepower atop their rotation if that's the case. We weren't sure what the death would look like, but right now it's starting to look a little better. But getting back on board with the offense, as we were talking about, love the way Edmund led things off tonight. Dylan Carlson able to do it again, hitting two for four, scoring a couple of runs. You'd love to see that. And then it was the middle of the order getting it done with the uh, the RBIs in this one. 
Goldschmidt going one for four, but the the double that went off the top of the wall. It's it's the chain part, I think, in front of the bullpen, the right field bullpen that he hit this ball. And then there's a little bit of padding there right above the little chains that you can see through if you're out there. And that's where it hit off of. I'm telling you, if it's another two inches high, I think that's all it needs to be able to kind of hit the top of the wall and go over with the kind of momentum that it had. It was a, a really hard hit ball. Great job by Goldschmidt to extend to the opposite field. Uh, doesn't get the homer, but does get a couple of RBIs and a double for his efforts. And Nolan Arenado, told you we were going to have to talk about this guy. He goes two for four at the plate with an RBI and a pair of doubles. But the play that he made, going into foul territory, over his shoulder, sliding catch, I, that's one of the one of the great ones right there. I tweeted out a gif of it with just a bunch of question marks because I don't know how a human being does that. Like, that's a really, really hard play. First of all, the shift was on, so he was basically I, not really quite where a shortstop would stand. I don't think he wasn't quite that deep in the hole. But he was definitely shifted toward, you know, the, the second base side of that infield rather than hugging the line. And then he sprints into the foul territory. I think he covered like 90-some-odd feet to make this play. If you haven't seen the play, scroll my Twitter timeline, at bshafer12. You'll find it. It's the one with all the question marks. And then I think I said after that, I, I, I don't understand. I don't think human beings are supposed to be able to do this. You know, it just doesn't make sense. But that's the kind of play this guy makes night after night. And we're seeing it two nights in a row. He had the leaping grab yesterday and then this one in foul territory today. Carlos Martinez said he wanted to go over there and give him a high five. You know, thank him for the play after after he made it. That's just silly what Nolan Arenado is able to do. And so that's just an example, though. And I gave a few others of DeYoung and Goldsmith making some plays tonight. Trusting your defense, that, that can be a pretty good strategy if you're a St. Louis Cardinals pitcher. Really good to see. And then he contributes, too, on the offensive end, which when you look at the numbers for Goldschmidt and Arenado so far this season, uh, not exactly what you want to see. Goldschmidt's OPS is really, really low. It's 612. That's totally uncharacteristic of what he's able to do. Arenado starting to get himself a little bit up there at 765. That's, you know, probably right around average, probably a little bit above average maybe. Not for him, of course. Uh, but hopefully as the, the weather continues to warm up, these guys do as well because in the middle of your order they're supposed to be the boppers and you know 612 OPS 230 batting average 250 average for Arenado 765 that's not really going to get it done long term but tonight both of them did going three for eight combined with three runs batted in so that's good to see down the lineup you still got some struggles and some low numbers for some other guys O'Neill had a one for four day but still hitting 167 hasn't had a whole lot of a sample size though there uh, tough night at the dish for DeYoung, going 0 for 4 with a K, leaving a couple of men on base, uh, but did have that good defensive play, so he's still uh, finding ways to contribute. The one that's going to be interesting to me is Justin Williams. He goes 1 for 3 tonight, scores a run, but the two times he was out, it was via strikeout, and then he gets pinch hit for Austin Dean coming into the game later on. Williams hitting just 190 right now, OPS in the 500s at 592. That's not going to fly. Uh, look, Harrison Bader is returning at some point. The Cardinals are, from what we're hearing from them, growing increasingly optimistic on the timeline for that. I think it'll it'll be maybe that first week of May or a little bit thereafter. And when that happens, uh, that's going to clarify your outfield a little bit more, I think. We've seen Matt Carpenter. He hasn't been playing uh, starting. I think you're going to get maybe some occasional starts if the matchup is really, really good. Mike Schilt might get him in there. But otherwise, I think the Cardinals are starting to settle into more of a regular 
uh, appearance to their lineup where Tommy Edmond is going to be the, the primary second baseman. They've tried the Carpenter thing. Uh, listen, if he gets an opportunity and runs with it, that could change everything, obviously. Uh, the Cardinals would love to see him, you know, getting the, the production to go along with the hard hit stats that he's had. But look, you can't be striking out at 36% of the time and then saying, well, all my balls are hit hard, but they're hit right to people because they're going to shift against you and you're not beating the shift because you're not quite hitting it that hard to be able to do that on a consistent basis. So the numbers aren't there for Carpenter. And, you know, at some point, I think enough has kind of been enough to where he's going to be a, an important member of this team. The Cardinals are going to give him opportunities. He'll, he'll certainly be the first lefty off the bench, I think, in most cases for uh, pinch hitting scenarios. But you get Edmund at second base. You get Carlson in the outfield somewhere. It's been center field primarily, uh, though he did shift tonight to right field toward the end of the game. Uh, Scotty Hurst got some time in center field. But when Bader comes back, he's going to be your center fielder. Carlson's going to be your right fielder. And then figure it out between O'Neill and Williams, I think is kind of the plan. And ultimately, if neither of them are able to figure it out, that's when you can start beating down the door, talking about beating the drum for a guy like, you know, the, the name that I think I'm predicting is going to be discussed as we approach June, July, if the Texas Rangers aren't in it, is Joey Gallo, because that would make the Cardinals a difference making lineup. That would stack them up, in my opinion, you know, right alongside the, the San Diego Padres, the Dodgers. If you have those names performing at the level they're capable. I mean, I'm just going to read it off. What would it look like? Edmund, Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Gallo batting fifth. Probably Yachty in the sixth hole when he's healthy. DeYoung, seven. Bader, eight. That's pretty good. That'd be pretty darn good. Not to mention just offensively, but defensively as well. You'd be really strong at every position defensively. If it's O'Neal, you know, I guess not... Gallo in left field. I, I just replaced O'Neill, and now I'm trying to still take advantage of his uh, defensive prowess in left. Really, that'd be the only spot, but, you know, Gallo can handle himself out there. He's not a great defender. You know, started out as a third baseman, shifted to the outfield. I guess I, I, I say this off the top of my head. You know, I don't watch as many American League games as I probably wish I did. I started off in a really good groove at the beginning of the season with that free MLB TV, but in recent weeks, it's been getting a little bit harder to keep up with things. I, I watched most of that Dodgers uh, Padres Sunday night baseball game, which is really good. Uh, but looking at Gallo's stats right now, uh, let's see what he, what he's up to. Uh, goodness. I guess I should have thought about this a little bit more before I uh, opened my mouth. He's got the 712 OPS, and his OPS plus is actually 111, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because 712 is not that high of a number. He is, he's got bold, if you look at his baseball reference page, bold for strikeouts and bold for walks. Leading the league in walks and strikeouts. So that's uh, your three true outcomes brought to you by Joey Gallo. He hasn't been hitting the home runs, just one so far on the season, which is really uncharacteristic for him. But having an on-base percentage at 436, that keeps you in the mix. So when the power comes around, I'm still very interested if I'm the, the Cardinals in a Joey Gallo type. And uh, also talk about a little bit of uh, early trade conversations because these are not discussions that are going to heat up just yet. But because we're a podcast, we can do whatever we want and talk about whatever we want. doesn't matter if it's April, May, June, or July. Interesting to talk about trade targets. No, with Joey Gallo, I don't know what it would cost to get him. No, I don't know if he's available. But I think, you know, he'd be really interesting. What I intended to do, though, was look up his uh, fielding numbers. He's been in right field, it looks like. 
primarily. He's played left before, but this season it's been all right field for him for uh, pretty much all of his innings except one inning. uh, Nope. Yeah, it's just a couple of starts at DH. So he's been all about right field this year and just, you know, below average, and he's got negatives next to all of his uh, defensive metrics. But look, if the guy starts to heat up offensively, I don't care. I think he'd be great. (laughs) Not trying to replace these outfielders that they have right now until, you know, getting a little bit more of a chance. But listen, if if the the production isn't there, if the OPSs remain in the 600, the batting average remain in the below 200 or below, you know, 225 even, and and the power isn't coming consistently. O'Neal obviously had a, a good game the other night with the two home runs, but I think that would be an interesting name. But the other one, that has been kind of talked about. I, I, I've seen Derek Gould. He mentioned it all the way back to the beginning of the season or spring training. And then Bob Nightingale It was kind of making the rounds again when I think he mentioned it on Frank Cusimano's show. Max Scherzer, if the uh, Nationals are out of it, that would be an indication that, like, the Cardinals are legit going for it. Like, trade your prospects. You know, it's like the hide your kids, hide your wives, hide your prospects because we're trading everybody out here. Joey Gallo, Max Scherzer. Getting into some fantasy land stuff tonight on B Shape Daily, but that would turn the Cardinals into pretty much they're already instant contenders, but that would be instant World Series contenders at that point, adding those two names. Imagining a rotation of Scherzer, Flaherty, Wainwright, Carlos Martinez in the playoffs. Not to count out Kwon Yun Kim and John Gant, but I think that I think that would get the job done, the way these guys are playing right now. Anyway, that was a little fantasy land stuff. I enjoy doing it from time to time. Uh, if you want to delve into the, the craziness, you can do so as well. Head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 and uh, find a way to leave me a voice message. You just add slash message to the end of that URL, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message, and you can record your own audio asking me a question, anything you want to do to comment about the Cardinals, etc. I think I did get one from Will the other night, and i got to look at that again tomorrow and see if it's still relevant. Apologies to Will if you're listening. I didn't get to that question. I know you submitted it, but I uh, it kind of slipped my mind for a little bit. So I'll take a look at that tomorrow and see if I can uh, incorporate it in some form or fashion into the podcast as we move forward. Um, but would love to have you all, the rest of you guys listening out there, all two of you. I'm just kidding. Uh, those listeners that would like to participate, I'd love to have you. I'd love to talk some baseball with you via the message app, which I think could be really cool on Anchor. I like that feature. Uh, one of the cool things about Anchor. The other thing about Anchor is that they blast my podcast out to anywhere that I could possibly want to do it. I don't have to do anything. You can uh, head to Spotify. You'll find me. Apple Podcasts. You'll find me. Google Podcasts. Several other places as well. You can catch B-Shape Daily. So, appreciate you guys for being along for the ride this season. Uh, good win tonight for the Cardinals. 5-2. to two. Uh, Alex Reyes, didn't mention him, had his sixth save of the season. Uh, he's marching very quickly toward that 14.5 over-under that I set in a tweet earlier this year, um, he's obviously going to smash that total if he remains healthy because they're not taking him out of this closer role. Remember spring training when the Cardinals said they're going to get Alex Reyes to 100 innings this year as uh, a way to prepare him to be a starter next year? That was cute. (laughs) That was a cool conversation Uh, because right now he's at 10.1. We're closing in on the end of April. He's averaging less than one, I should say fewer than one inning per appearance. So he could end up in 65, 70 games for the Cardinals. I mean, that's possible. But uh, that's not going to get 100 innings if he's only throwing one inning per time. So maybe that plan has been abandoned and Alex Reyes is now a a closer and that's the way it is. 
I, I don't know that long-term I would like that, but I think it's it was the right decision not to rush Jordan Hicks back into that role. Hicks hasn't looked that good this year. I mean, I think that's, you know, I'm not ripping the guy, but he's walked too many batters. He, he's got the velocity, but, you know, he has not been closer-esque in his appearances that he's had so far. So I think it was the right call by the Cardinals to go ahead and bring him along more slowly into those leverage situations uh, rather than just rush him back into that spot, say it's his job, and then have to maybe take it away from him if he continues to uh, have a little bit of a hard time out there. So hopefully Hicks is able to find his groove and rebound as the season goes along. Giovanni Gallegos got into the game tonight and got the hold couple of outs to finish off the eighth after Carlos walked a batter, uh, and that's when he was removed from the game. Cool, too, to see the Cardinals fans give him a nice ovation. Carlos is a guy that pitches with his heart on his sleeve. He wears the emotions out there, and uh, cool to see him kind of get to see that reaction from Cardinals fans and uh, give it back to them a little bit as he uh, doffed his cap, showed appreciation for uh, the fans recognizing his outing, and uh, that was just cool all around to see. But Giovanni Gallegos... Alex Reyes, those are the only two relievers you need when you go seven-plus innings. And uh, that's pretty much the formula for the Cardinals. You get those two guys in at the end of the game, you're probably winning that game. So really good to see uh, those guys continue to go strong. The rest of the bullpen, not a lot to talk about because they haven't pitched over the last two days. Um, And, you know, ideally they won't have more than maybe two or three innings of action tomorrow with Oviedo. Oviedo was pretty efficient in the uh, outing that he had in relief earlier this season. I would say six innings would be a pretty, not a, to say expectation, but would be a pretty good goal, I think, for him, um, just because it's his first start in a while and would like to see him be able to, to, to turn out a quality start. I think that would be really good for him as a confidence builder to be able to get going and uh, march toward a future that I believe he has in this rotation. Maybe it's not on a permanent basis yet this year, but I do think down the road, uh, you know, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if Adam Wainwright does decide to hang him up after the season and you're going into next year, maybe without Carlos Martinez as well, because he is somebody that, uh, you know, you've got that option. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to want to pick that up. Remains to be seen how he performs the rest of the season. I think if he performs like he did tonight, he'll be in the rotation next year, but otherwise he could potentially be a free agent at season's end. And so you look at next year's rotation again, a little bit ahead of time, but Flaherty's going to be here. Michaelis, He's also under contract for the next couple of seasons after this one, so ideally he gets back to health and and is part of that rotation once again. Dakota Hudson should be, hopefully, you cross your fingers, ready for the start of the 2022 season following Tommy John because he had that toward the end of last year, so he should hopefully be good to go. There's three. Beyond that, though, nothing is really a certainty. Wainwright could retire, conceivably. Carlos could be a free agent. Kwon Young Kim could be a free agent. As well, he only signed a two-year deal and would be eligible for free agency afterwards, even though he's only pitched two years in Major League Baseball. I don't remember what the language of the contract was that dictated that, but I believe that is the case. And so you're talking about potentially having to fill two spots in the rotation. Um, You know, John Gant could certainly, if he holds it down all season, could certainly be an option for that. I don't want to necessarily treat him as though he's just a temporary fix in this rotation, but... You consider the fact that when Michaelis comes back, he could potentially be the odd man out. But Oviedo, I think, long story short, could have an opportunity to fill a spot in the five-man rotation next year, depending on which way the chips fall when it comes to some of these other guys after the 2021 campaign. The way he builds upon that opportunity and, and really starts to cement that for himself, for his future, is by showing that he's that guy right now. 
Last year, I would argue he wasn't quite that guy yet, but nobody expected him to be yet. He was thrust into a situation after having not great numbers at double A, you know, a guy that's not thriving at double A and then gets called up uh, the following year to make a start and, and hold down five or six outings in the big leagues like he did. Uh, you know, he, he held his own. It's all you could have asked for from Oviedo last season. But this year, he had a really good spring. We didn't get to see a lot of it, but then we saw the, the fruits of some of that labor in the one outing that he made in St. Louis. And so now I'm intrigued. Like, my, my radar is going off to say, hey, this guy could be something. We already knew that he could be something, but he was very raw. And now I, I think he may have already made that step to where he's not quite so raw anymore. Um, and, you know, this is all what I'm saying in anticipation of his outing on Wednesday. But uh, afterwards, we'll be able to say what we think of him uh, getting that first opportunity in a, in a real on-field, in-stadium setting as a starting pitcher for the Cardinals in front of fans. It'll be cool to see for him. Uh, from that perspective. So I think that's all we're going to talk about for today. Going to wrap things up here for this episode of B-Shape Daily. Once again, appreciate you guys for being along for the ride. Love talking Cardinals baseball with all of you. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give me a follow over on Twitter at B-Shaper12 if you don't do that. And uh, we'll keep rolling along here as the Cardinals find a way to get back above 500 today with their win over the Phillies on Tuesday. That's going to wrap it up, though. Appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you next time.